0: They're good to nothing good? Let's see what's going on with Jack Smith. Burn of the week. No, he's not going to head the week. Just, uh, okay, let's see here. Um, Bill Maher. We already watched that, didn't we? Um, Every single House Democrat voted to provide paid sick leave to rail workers. Nearly every Republican voted against it. Of course, remember? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, is it a big surprise? No. G, F, Y, Republican, GQP party, GQP party. (laughs) Right, so I'm posting that on Instagram right now. And let's see here. The unsung heroes who stopped Trump. Top political analyst reveals the secret heroes who saved America from Trump 18 hours ago. The unsung heroes.
1: This brilliant trip for just 15 minutes per day to get incredible Vin-min. ads without working out. Friedman is one. From New York City. Nobody, you know, I mean, I think Trump got 11% of the vote in Manhattan. You know why? Because he knew him. Because everybody knew. Yeah. They knew him, you know.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is a candid conversation with return guest David Rothkopf. David is the CEO of the Rothkopf Group, a best-selling author and journalist, and host of the Deep State Radio podcast. His most recent book, American Resistance, the inside story of how the deep state saved the nation, just dropped November 1st to rave reviews. While the history of the Trump presidency will remain incomplete for decades, David has built a rock solid case that a host of government officials work together to keep a dangerous, unhinged, ill-prepared president and his enablers from doing irreparable damage to the United States, our allies and the planet as a whole. Reviews have called American resistance the best work yet on how federal employees, military, and civilians help preserve democracy during the greatest constitutional peril the U.S. has faced since the Civil War. David writes this book from a place of deep understanding. Knowing the ins and outs of American politics intimately, having served as Deputy Undersecretary of Commerce and International Trade Policy in the Clinton Administration, working as a professor of international affairs at Columbia University, Georgetown, and Johns Hopkins, David is a contributing columnist to the Daily Beast and a member of the Board of Contributors to USA Today. He has authored hundreds of articles for multiple publications, including the New York Times, Washington Post, Financial Times, and is a regular commentary on pretty much every broadcast media. I'm having him on today to talk about his book, but also because he has a innate ability to tie together complicated ideas and allow us to understand the big picture. Today we're going to talk about what happened during the Trump presidency, what happened after the Trump presidency, and what we have to do to shore up our systems as we head into the idea of a new Trump presidency. So without further ado, please welcome back a best-selling author, international expert, and truly brilliant thinker, David Rothkopf.
1: Nice to be back.
2: Well, first of all, congratulations on the book, because people are just loving it.
1: Uh, I hope they love it. You know, it took a while to uh, create it.
2: Well, you've basically written an insider story on how everything that happened during the Trump presidency, which, let's be honest, was a lot, could have been so much worse. But there were enough people, people who have been called the deep state, but were really just career civil servants who took their oath to the Constitution seriously and were able to resist the tyrant that was attempting to take control.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. The reason that they were called the deep state, you've got to ask yourself why they come up with this conspiracy theory is a little bit similar to why news media were called fake news. It was because Trump and the people around him realized that if these people took their job seriously, they could impede him, resist him, even challenge him, and he wanted to discredit them. So what he did was he said, "Let's create, let's create a conspiracy theory. Problem is, These people didn't focus on that. They focused on their jobs. You know, they're hardworking people who've given up, making more money, doing something else to do public service. And time and time and time again, in everything from matters of war and peace to pandemics to immigration, they stop things from being much, much worse. And, you know, given the way things turned out, that's saying quite a bit.
2: It certainly is. I mean I said in the introduction to this podcast that the history of the Trump presidency won't be fully known for a really long time, but your book gives us context and details around how Republicans and Democrats and nonpartisan officials basically worked in the shadows to limit the damage. That could have been done by this incompetence and corruption. And it seems that there were a series of extraordinary measures that were taken to keep the government from falling apart. I mean, the whole book is, if I'm being honest, a bit terrifying at how close America came to the brink
1: under Trump. No, qu- no question about it. Trump was not just a rogue president. He's not just a guy with an extreme agenda. He was incredibly incompetent. You know, the only president we've ever had who Had never held a government job before. Uh, He was incredibly narcissistic. He didn't really care about anybody else's opinion. He thought the advisors he had hired were essentially window dressing to make him look better. And his impulses were incredibly dangerous. You know, the impulse to make heroes of people like Putin or uh, Kim Jong-un, the impulse to bury the covid epidemic so that you know he might do better uh, politically uh, the impulse the racist impulse to try to keep brown people out of the united states you know these, these were pathological and fortunately these people were there and they literally kept wars from happening kept us from blowing up our alliances kept hundreds of thousands of people from dying needlessly, even as we acknowledge that hundreds of thousands of people did die needlessly. And so, you know, I think we owe them not only a debt of gratitude, but I think we owe them um, the resolve to put this whole deep state myth to bed, to put the whole Ronald Reagan government is the problem myth to bed, and to start being grateful for people who devote their lives to public service. People of every party, this is not a partisan book, and I would say most of the people in this book who end up being heroes are either Republicans or independent. I thought it was a different story from the one that we were hearing.
2: Yeah, I know that's saying something, and I think it also feels incredibly relevant today to be laying out government that can work government that can be efficient, government that can help, and not just a partisan government, like we say, only these people can help us. You're saying, no, these are career bureaucrats that were in there, mostly Republican and independents, that really were just doing their job to hold up the Constitution as opposed to hold up one administration, right? And not only does your book kind of provide new perspectives into this extraordinary dysfunction of the Trump administration, but it reminds us all the ways in which our system was built to hold together and the people that were there to support that.
1: You're absolutely right. You know, these people were a critical guardrail. Other guardrails that we thought we could count on, congressional oversight, the Department of Justice, uh, they didn't work so well. These people, time and time again, stopped things from going awry. Now, they didn't always get to stop it. There were plenty of examples we can all think of that were bad but another reason it's a timely story is that Trump was so frustrated by these people and the Trumpists the people around Trump were so frustrated by the fact that they were loyal to the country and not to a party that they've started an effort to be able to fire them uh, they they, you know there's something called Schedule F uh, which Trump introduced and Biden undid um, but now every leader in the Republican Party, all the people running for president, want to put this in place, which would allow them to fire perhaps 50,000 dedicated public servants. Why? Not to save money on government, not to make government more efficient. They want to fire the ones who are going to say no. They're going to fire the ones who are going to say no mr president the law doesn't allow you to do that the constitution doesn't allow you to do that and that's you know a real threat it's if they're able to do that it's a big step down the road to authoritarianism and that's that's what we have to be careful of the reason i wrote the book was not just another rehash of how crazy trump was and how dangerous it was the reason i wrote the book is they're going after these people and if they get there we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a less democratic, less effective, less people uh, oriented government uh, than we've ever had.
2: Yeah. And I, I think for those of you who don't know uh, what David is talking about, um, a good sort of overview of this idea um, was a Jonathan Swan article that he wrote for Axios in the summer that was called Inside Trump 25, a radical plan for Trump's second term that was terrifying because it basically broke down what David's talking about and how these Trump allies are preparing to radically reshape the federal government if and when he is re-elected, including purging thousands of career civil servants and replacing them with loyalists who 100% subscribe to this America First ideology. And I think we need to be really clear-eyed that the plan isn't even really dependent on Trump being in power. The way the Republican Party is behaving now, stripping voting rights, protesting rights, women's rights, gay rights, civil rights from people. This plan is to make sure that everyone falls in line no matter what potential Republican leader is in charge because the party is clearly on board for abandoning democracy for authoritarianism. And Swan's article pointed out really well, where he says that it goes beyond purging typical conservative targets like the EPA and the IRS, but they're looking to strip thousands, if not tens of thousands of people from the Justice Department, from the FBI, from the CIA, from the NSA, from the State Department, from the Pentagon. And there are teams of people already setting up the next administration who plan to do this purge in the first hundred days, and that would include implementing controversial policies and making sweeping leadership changes. But it's also basically a revenge tour against anyone who was real or a perceived enemy to the Trump administration. And we need to kind of keep our eyes open on that, because if you're not completely on board with his agenda, you are not going to have a place in the next Republican administration.
1: Hey, you should have written this book. (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't, have, I couldn't put it better. Or, uh, maybe you could have written it with Jonathan Swan. That's exactly <laughs> right. This book is not a polemic by me. I interviewed a hundred people, and I'll tell you something. In talking to those hundred people, virtually every single one of them said their biggest fear was that Trump would be reelected. Their biggest fear was that he would get to take the steps you're talking about. And some of the people I talked to were in Trump's cabinet, and others were in the sub-cabinet, but were senior officials appointed by Trump. But once they saw the chaos, the disregard for the rule of law, the hunger for authoritarianism, the impulses towards policies that were um, racist or that served a tiny fraction of the 1% or helped our enemies overseas, they said, we can't let this happen. Uh, And many of them stayed in office, and this is a controversial subject, a lot of people said, well, you should have just resigned. But many of them struggled with that, and they they stayed in office because they thought, well, if the elections worked properly, if we adhere to the rule of law, then we're going to have a chance to defeat this guy and avoid the outcome you just described so exceptionally well.
2: Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest debates during the Trump years was around those who went to work with him, right, in all branches of government. I mean, were these people just self-serving sycophants looking out for their own best interests, or were they serving the public by saving the country from Trump's worst interests? In a chapter of your book, you talk about how senior military officials such as James Maness or Mark Milley accepted the president's orders, but then slow walked them to the point of uselessness in order to kind of prevent the corruption of both the military command structure and its ideals at the hands of these kind of amateur opportunists. Well,
1: yeah, the first thing I want to say is this is not insubordination.
0: White supremacists, terrorists. You know, this is the men
1: doing their job, honoring their oath. Uh, they have sworn to not to follow illegal orders. They have sworn to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies, foreign and domestic. They are obligated uh, in their capacities to assess the guidance they're given and to come back to the president or come back to their colleagues in the government with their best judgment about how to implement these things. And so sometimes that took the form of slow walking. Sometimes it took the form of just talking the president off the ledge. You know, a secretary of defense gets a call from the president and he says, you know, I think we should go to war tonight with Korea. uh, Or let's launch missiles at the caravans in Mexico. And they would say, you know, Mr. President, that's an interesting idea. Why don't we talk about it tomorrow at lunch? You know, because they had to sort of... Diffuse situations that were often driven by impulse or anger and uh they knew that ultimately uh they perhaps could talk the president or people around the president into a view that was more sensible not always but you know we didn't end up with a moat at the southern border like trump wanted that was filled with alligators. we didn't we didn't we didn't end up shooting at immigrants coming across the border.
2: Or shooting at peaceful protesters in
1: front of the White House. Right, or dropping the 101st Airborne Division into, you know, Portland, Oregon, because of Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, and there were people in the government who would say, you know, you really shouldn't shoot Clorox into your veins. You know, uh, uh, so, you know, that was... Well, that's pretty fucking lame. But mm-hmm. Is that all they can do? Aren't praised. And in fact, many of them are penalized, you know. Alexander Vindman lost his job. All of Ambassador them were penalized. lost their job. Uh, people like Ambassador Goffala <laughs> All job. of them lost uh, their
0: and jobs.
1: <laughs> job. uh, the and, and were publicly job. humiliated. The Department of Defense fired. Uh, a lot of people's careers were upended. They paid a huge price. Why did they do it? Why did they do that? Why did they pay that price? They of oh, the few people but with any Benman balls? The, you know, the title of book, Your
2: Rights And Venman himself said that your book is a story that needed to be told. And he was personally there through all of the chaos. And he knows how close we came to losing our democracy because of that. I mean, your book essentially turns the concept of what we call the deep state upside down, using it as a term to describe committed civil servants and policy experts who, like you're saying, imperfectly or maybe even courageously in many moments, work to block or disrupt the worst and most dangerous instincts of Donald Trump as much as they could. At one point in your book, you say that the deep state is often the last line of defense against the dark state. Will you expand on that?
1: There was this dark state. There was this little cabal of people around Trump, um, many of whom were uh, motivated by corrupt instincts. Many of them were motivated by racism. Some of them were motivated by uh, an appetite for power. that was so great that they thought it was in their interest to in our democracy. Some supported Vladimir Putin's supported Kim Jong un. Some supported others. And, you know, they were a real threat. And these people who were accused of being the deep state, by them, right, by the bad guys, by the people who were trying to do the wrong thing, what they really were, were American heroes. Uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin, who I talked to in the book, uses a term. He describes what they did as constitutional patriotism, and that's what they were. They were constitutional patriots. Jamie Raskin was one of them. You've seen them at the January 6th. You've seen people at the Department of Justice. You said no to the president. You saw them in the impeachment hearings. Uh, You saw Zinman and Jovanovich and Fiona Hill and others, Ambassador Hill. And, uh, uh, you know, those are the ones whose stories are sort of native about before the newspapers I there's thousands and thousands of others who you've never heard of, who you ought to be with.
2: I've been talking about Athletic Greens for over a year now. If you've listened to the podcast for that long, or even if you're new to the podcast, please know that I don't take on advertisers that I don't believe in. And AG1 has not only been a great supporter from the very beginning, but they're an absolutely quality product that I can see... Truly- My family takes it, my 80-year-old dad takes it, my friends take it. It's one of those things that will truly change how you physically feel. It's just one scoop in water every morning on an empty stomach. And your body gets 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day off right. This blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, basically all the things. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, but it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body can actually absorb. Athletic <coughs> Greens uses the best of the best products based on leading latest trends. There's a the product of based on third-party customers to make sure you're getting the very best version. There's a reason Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews is recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts. AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits, and it's something you can do every day to take great care of yourself. Now is the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do My is visit girl. athleticgreens.com/politicsgirl. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/politicsgirl. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate in ideological nutrition. I honestly would not keep talking about this, if i didn't truly really believe
0: it. <laughs> we tap 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 the
2: tap 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 we tap 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 or held off supermajorities in a lot of state houses. Well, I think we can consider it a victory that the majority of state secretaries, the people who certify and um, call the elections in blue or swing states didn't end up going to election deniers who all ran this year because that would have been a disaster for democracy because these are the people that we need in place to uphold democracy. But I think we have to be honest that we're still in a very precarious position that these... Guardrails you're talking about for our democracy are incredibly damaged, Um, and there's still people out there trying to make it worse. I mean, if anything, the midterm elections were a vote against nihilism and self-destruction, but we have a really long road ahead of us. What are your thoughts and what we can glean from these? Well, my
1: thoughts are much as you said. We did better than uh, history suggests we should have. Much better. We did better. Uh, than the pundits expected. We did better than the polls suggested, although many of them were fake polls that were yeah. put out by Republican candidates. The polling averages and all the, the victories that we achieved, uh, you enumerated well, but dozens, scores of election deniers were elected. Yeah. Um, dozens Especially scores, right, of we're reelected were elected. Kevin McCarthy, who is very likely to be the next Speaker of the House, thanks to the Yeah, and they're all in charge. with sedition. Why? Why? In the past couple of days, said, You've
0: got to put up pressure, put pressure on your fucking government. Off
1: of committees, I'm going to kick um, Adam Schiff off of committees. You know why? Why did you kick Adam Schiff off of the committee? What if he ever done? Uh, he's a much more accomplished, uh, capable legislator. And McCarthy, you know, he's never had a scandal. That's why. The only thing Adam Schiff has ever done is lead investigations into these crimes uh, in the most honorable possible way. It's the exact same thing we're talking about uh, with the attack no, on, on the state. Uh, I would argue the same with George Orr's follow up, who he also said he was going to remove from committee. Uh, another dedicated congressman who they've trying to smear. How come uh, none so of the Democrats effective. have any fucking balls uh, to, to say, why do we uh, allow we these cheaters to continue Not being in office? Trump running, but all the other Republicans who are running to be president are Trumpists at heart, election deniers, uh, longer of uh, who the Republicans see as maybe the alternative, you know, had his own police force, fired people in just to didn't so, so to suppress the teaching, even the mention whether a teacher might be part of the LGBTQ plus community, he's in many respects worse than Trump. And yeah. even the mainstream media are going, well, just, you know, Trump's down and DeSantis is up and he's the savior of the party. That's well, you know, I mean, DeSantis you know, may, may be the next Republican candidate, but he is a profound threat. So, you know, let's we'll celebrate our victory. Let's ask ourselves why we didn't do better. And let's recognize that we have not won this fight for democracy. That is going to continue on in 2024 and beyond 2024. We don't just get to keep democracy because we were taught, you know, that that's what we had in America when we were in our, you know, school there. We have to fight. These active efforts to delete and pervert it, which are coming now from an entire major political party in the United States.
2: Absolutely, I mean, as I said to Ron Quayne in the recent roundup, podcast, here. I'm so proud of all the efforts of like the Democratic voters and the grassroots organizations and the independent media and influencers who put it in the you know put in for the past two years to stand up for democracy. And I think it shows us that with enough time and hard work, there really is hope for a positive future in this country. But it's also, democracy is never fixed with one election. It's fixed one election. And you have to continue to do the work, always, always. It's, it's, it's what we're doing. And if we're talking about in your book, these bureaucrats are holding up democracy in the shadows, it's hard to not see that these seats the Republicans flipped. You're saying, why didn't we do even better, considering the major things that were on the line here? But I, it's hard not to see that the seats the Republicans flipped in the midterms are fundamentally seats they gerrymandered so they can not seats. I mean, overall, Republicans. Yeah, why were they allowed to do, they that do that without, without any repercussions? of gerrymandering and voter suppression, and clearly we can't look to the courts to help us because if anything, Supreme hey, Court. It worse, and clearly they're in the bag. It right gets worse. It goes levels. to the Church Supreme Court. Gutted America's right to vote, undermining the voters' rights Because Biden hasn't. Three separate courts in Wisconsin and Louisiana and Alabama. Each one is drawn to enhance the electoral power of white voters. And the Republicans owe their successes in many ways to a bunch of court cases that allowed them to annihilate believe we And I think it's hard for people to hear that and to be in Wisconsin right now going like I voted, I did all this stuff I'm supposed to do. Why doesn't it matter? Why didn't it count? And I, I want to I Because our Congress ain't to doing this fucking job either. They, feel a for people.
0: they no should, one should now. The right they got I'm all their fucking campaign contributions out of us.
1: Well, I mean, look, you know, if you look at some of the decisive battles in the election, that, that kept the Senate for, for the Democrats, for example, whether it's uh, uh, Cortez Masto in, in Nevada or the, some of the races in Arizona. Or, or the Fetterman, that, yeah, Fetterman,
2: yeah, Fetterman with the kids uh, coming or, or in. Or
1: Fetterman in Pennsylvania. You know, these were very close races. Every vote mattered. And, you know, when you see somebody like uh, Laura, uh, Boebert going back to the Congress um, because she won by 200 votes, You know, the message ought to be loud and clear. If you don't show up, you're making it easier for the other side to win. Similarly, you know, uh, among the gains that the Republicans had as a result of gerrymandering were a number of seats in New York State where the Democratic establishment in New York State didn't fight back in the way that they should. And you're absolutely right. SCOTUS is as corrupt as it's ever been. It is in, and, and it's been corrupt before in the days of the Dred Scott decision, for example. Um, but it is, it's at risk. Uh, and I think right now, if it continues to constitute it, you're going to see more than gerrymandering cases. You're going to see the court on election matters rule, for example, that state legislatures to who electors are and ignore election Fake electors. results. And that's a very dangerous step in, in some of these uh, states that, that lean Trumpist. Uh, now, of course, you'll also see them take away the rights of uh, people to choose who they marry, opportunity, contraception, also fundamental freedom. Now, why do I bring that up? Not just to complain. Let me try to do something about this. You know, we're reading stories now about Vito leaking information years ago. Clarence Thomas uh, and his wife have some big question marks over her role in the insurrection. Somebody leaked Bob's decision. You know, there's a there's a lot wrong in this court. Fortunately, there are people like Senator Sheldon Whitehouse who are standing up and they're saying we have to have an investigation in the Senate. We've got to call them out. And whether they do something uh, wrong, we need to challenge them.
0: Yes, we need the, to impeach them. The, uh,
1: we need to impeach people who can be impeached. Now, and we need to expel Republican people. Out. But it doesn't mean that casting a lot on what have done wrong is not And the best example of that of the two impeachments of Donald Trump. They may not have been successful to the extent that he was removed. They lost. Every day, in every way that you can, you need to push this, because they haven't given up and they have enough power that they can do a huge amount of damage.
2: Yeah, a tremendous amount of damage. Uh, we were talking to Tom Hartman just about the Supreme Court and going forward and all the things that need to be addressed. We have to, when you were talking about the Democrats, have to do more. I feel like we need to acknowledge where we really are and...
0: How come they don't use their power? That
2: haven't been done Spell because people. Because Congress is supposed to be a check on the Supreme Court. And right now the Supreme Court is acting as if there is no checks on them at all. And the case you were talking about, in case people don't know, is this upcoming case, Moore v. Harper, that's coming before the Supreme Court, which would essentially destroy democracy as we know it, because it would make it impossible for a Democrat to win the presidency. President. And... How can any of us think that that's going to be okay? I mean, our laws only work, our government only works because we collectively agree to follow the rules. If one whole group decides not to, what does the other side do? And I think that's one of the reasons why Merrick Garland has been so, so careful about following every single rule, because if we want to live under the rule of law, we have to really live under it. The other side's clearly willing to abandon it. So if we abandon it too, then it's gone and they're the ones that get what they wanted. So we have to follow it very carefully. But I think we need to think outside the box with the Supreme Court, because clearly the Supreme Court has corrupted itself, and it will then corrupt our government almost in totality if we allow it to carry on. And I find it quite alarming.
1: It's profoundly alarming, and you know, one thing to do is... Um Work to help sure, make sure that uh, Senators not re-elected, that the Democratic majority is a little stronger in the Senate, uh, so that President Biden and the Democrats in the Senate can ensure that there are more Democrats and critical federal judgeships across the country. Another thing you can do is make sure that states are taking the steps that they can to rewrite their constitutions to add protection, to seek measures in the Congress between now uh, and the end of the Congress uh, that can protect us from the irrational acts of Republicans, like blowing up the debt limit. Uh, there are a lot of things that we can do. When we do have to think outside the box, and, and frankly, uh, we, don't, I, I, we don't do enough of that. I'm very worried. You know, the Supreme Court could give us 10, 20 years more.
0: Oh, this how
1: terrible. decision. And, uh, you know, there is a way around that, right? There's
2: numerous uh, ways, collect,
1: ways around that. There's a collect, lot of Democrats. Second Biden's
2: not expanding
0: the
1: The law and put <laughs> judges in court. Uh, you know, when the time comes that you really have the opportunity to consider how the court is constituted or whether certain people should be on it, go for it. Um, Uh, But don't look at any one area. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is the courts are one area, state governments are an area. Um, But public officials serve as an important guardrail. And if the Republicans can sort of under the radar go in and fire a bunch of them, as we were talking about earlier, uh, that's going to take away a critical guardrail. Because, you know, these are the people who implement the law and as you're saying you know if we're a nation of laws uh we need people who ensure that we follow the rule of law and that is precisely what the MAGA gop does not want to do
2: yeah i mean your book gives us major insight into how government functions and why as you say we need to be caring about these jobs that no one's ever heard of if we want to continue to look out for america's future Jennifer Rubin, who's an economist for the Washington Post, and she also wrote the book Resistance, How Women Save Democracy and Donald Trump, has said that the deep state is real and but goodness for them because this group of honorable, diligent, public servants are the critical undergirding. They are the guardrails that prevent democracy's demise at the hands of people like these mega authoritarians, these people who are still trying to push that way of government through, which is basically saying that the rest of us have no say in our own government and they're going to tell us top down how it's going to go. But there's still, as we were saying, there's still a lot of these people in major positions of power in our Congress throughout the government. And how do you think we can hold up and support this deep state in the best form? Because if the Republicans get full power again, which I hope they will not, these people will all be gone. So what, what can you be doing to help shore up? You're saying watch out for the state races, make sure we're voting. What else do you think we should be doing?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I mean, I'm going to you read my book, but, you know, follow the issue. Yeah. Follow the stories as they develop. Uh, don't let the Schedule F uh, kind of idea go under the radar. Challenge people when they talk about the concept of the deep state, try to explain why it was perpetuated. Uh, because, frankly, at the grassroots level, you can make a big difference. You know, each one of us has a social media platform. It's very different from the way the world worked before. Everybody, whether they have 30 followers on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Facebook page, uh, or they have thousands of them, everybody... a platform, and that adds up, to use this platform to help mold and uh, move public opinion. And then when elections come up, donate, work for the candidates, and uh, fight to ensure that the majority of the people um, that we've got in our government are going to defend our government and going to defend the rule of law and are going to defend the Constitution of the United States. The reason I think people listen to your podcast because it's, it's something that happens all day long. It has to be a part of our life. It's got to be I go to the gym, I work out, I do my job, I care for my family, and I care for my country.
2: Out of curiosity, as a total side note, do you think this is one of the reasons when you're talking about using your platform um, to? reach out to your people, to talk to your people, to talk about why democracy is important. Do you think that's why we are seeing people like Elon Musk take over these platforms? So that we can of course. do that?
1: Of course. They see it as a threat. Yeah. But, you know, they've been trying since, you know, Roger Ailes first proposed the idea in the 1970s to build right-wing media uh, and to silence centrist and and progressive media Uh, and what happened was the media was democratized by social media platforms and they saw that um as a threat uh you know which is why they started again coming up with you know language to discredit it oh these are just delete you know which is of course nonsense these are everybody there are hundreds of millions of people and they started to bombard it with bots and trolls, uh to create counter narratives, to just make people turn away from the media, uh the these the social media platforms. And now you've got a guy with a you know, and let's be honest, it's not an overstatement, a Trump Putin agenda who's himself a troll. And 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 you know, a bit of an asshole. Let's be absolutely clear.
2: Oh,
1: about you don't this. need to Some say a bit. I think John huh. yeah, I mean, would be the right word. Yeah. Okay. So let's agree that. You know, he's a asshole. And you know, the, you see the stuff that he has put out there. It's despicable. But it all points in one direction. It puts Trump back in. It puts Nazis back on the social media platform. It makes hate speech more likely rather than less likely. It makes verified truth um, watered down further and further. And, you know, look at who controls the biggest media outlets. I at one point just a few minutes ago, and something like seven or eight of the ten largest are, 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 they're not liberal media, as everybody, you know, again, another one of these idiotic conspiracy theorists. They're controlled by... Oh, it's
0: a cover-up. It's not a computer. It's a or, cover.
1: ...or, or, or libertarian muggles who end up being right-wing by default. With my blood in do you need your ring? Come
0: on, on, the top now, please. Mushroom.
2: Mushroom. 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 It me because it's a way to make us stop talking to each other. Stop sharing. That's where we got BLM. That's where we got Me Too. That's where we got all these movements where the resistance was born, where the Women's March was born. Like, they don't want us talking to each other because it's effective. And like you said, like, they know it works. And so they're trying to stop us. And I think we have to be very clear that we continue to talk. We continue to work. The work is not over. Whether we're working in the government or out of the government, we continue to band together against this. I mean, your book, Come to the end, your book is just incredibly well researched, and it's written in a very straightforward way, which I appreciate because I like things to be clear. In many ways, even amongst the chaos, your book still feels hopeful and optimistic because it shines a spotlight on the amount of government officials, the amount of people in the background, right, who really believed in American democracy and wanted to work against this irreparable damage that was being done to the country. And there's lots of us who aren't even in the government who are doing exactly the same thing. It, Trump's presidency was essentially the ultimate political cautionary tale. And yet here we are looking at a run from the same guy who caused all of these problems in the next presidential election. I mean, what the hell are we doing? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I say to the man who just had to be back to What are we not doing? DC, what are we doing, I, I just, I just,
1: What's just, going on? I, 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 yes, I mean. You know, what, what What are we doing? This, I mean, mm-hmm. we shouldn't have elected the guy in the first place. I'm from New York City.
0: He shouldn't Nobody, be allowed you know, to I mean, run. I think
1: Trump got 11% the... of the vote in Manhattan. You
0: know
1: why? Because everybody knew, him? knew Yeah. They knew him, you know. He's not going to be a candidate. He's going to have legal problems. He's going to be old. He's, he's, he's going to do more to alienate the party. It, uh, Trump's yesterday's news. But that doesn't mean MAGA is yesterday's news. It doesn't mean right wing extremists are yesterday's news. It doesn't mean the move towards authoritarianism is yesterday's move. In fact, you know, if you listen to uh, DeSantis or you listen to, uh, you know, some of the other potential candidates that are out there, uh, even the bland ones, I mean, I can barely look at Mike Pence and stay away. But, (laughs) you know, what is Pence offering? He's offering. A real fascist dystopia where one religious group is going to set the values for everybody else and we are going to build governments around the principle of intolerance rather than tolerance. There, there's not, there's no good egg in the basket of potential leading candidates for the Republican Party. Not, you know, I mean, that's little He's not going to eh? uh, I don't agree with low, She might be a second, but there are not no yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And a lot of them are just a cleaned up version of the Trump that we know. Uh, Glenn is just a police wearing dad version of all the same It's all the
1: same it's all the
2: same, talking. it's
1: all the same. Yeah, no danger. No danger. You know? Oh, I mean, oh, you know, Yeah. yeah right. it does seem like a a buzz mixed universe tavern well, drink a lot of right? But 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 if he, if he's gonna undermine democracy and promote racism and misogyny, well that's you know, that's the real problem. It's not the that, growth. It's it's that ain't trying to blow up our system. Yeah.
2: All right, well, well listen, before you go, I'm saying he spent much of his life in Washington and he's back there now. I mean, your observations in the past have really helped us navigate some of these dangerous and turbulent times. So, what do you think comes next?
1: More of a battle for the next couple of years. More of uh, Republicans trying to make them in right, institutionalize to, to uh, their views, whether it's in courts or state houses. More dark money going into their campaigns, uh, and more uh, efforts to uh, uh, grassroots level, but also at the level of President Biden and, his uh, and the Democrats and the scientists uh, But, you know, I think you have to look at the midterms and say, that was a battle. Maybe we won it. Maybe it was a draw. Certainly a better outcome than we expected. And we have to develop that mentality. Just like, you know, the people of Ukraine are facing the winter. Facing energy shortages, facing potential loss of life, and they said, but to get what we want, we've got to see ourselves through that. And what we're facing is nowhere nowhere nearly as bad as that, and we should be inspired by it, um, just to realize we have to stay this course for the long haul.
2: Yeah, stay the course. It's a work every single day. It's a one foot in front of the other kind of a work. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, David. Your book is sobering and alarming, but it's also a call to arms for everyone to remain vigilant against these anti-democratic forces that continue to rise against us. And let's give all credit to the often maligned civil servants as the unsung heroes who saved us from the worst instincts in the worst administration in modern history. It's tough, but it's an important read, and I hope people will check it out because we're just going to go into this battle again, and we may as well have our eyes wide open and when we do it.
1: Thanks so much. Uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. It's really critical. <laughs> you know, if the listeners get inspired by what we are doing, you know, they decide they want to help. Another thing they can do is under service. They do one of those jobs. You know, go into the government. Try to help make a little better.
2: So that was for the Rothschild, reminding us that the work continues, that anti-democratic forces are still at play in America, that those who would take our democracy from us are still trying and still in a position to win, that we have to shore up our barriers with our work, our vote, and by encouraging more people who believe in the American experiment to get involved. We have to remember that there are thousands of good people working behind the scenes of the last administration who chose to hold up the Constitution rather than the party, who put country above all. And we should recognize this not only to say thank you, but as a good sign for the health of our democracy. Moving forward, the Republican Party is clearly all in for some version of white system rule. The Democratic Party has to be as bold as they can to decide how to best... I just thought this of a crisis. good punishment. I want to thank David for joining us today and you for caring that, enough uh, about democracy to be For these Oath
0: Keepers, that they now have start to watch Tony Michael's the podcast. Be. The, only thing to they can, last the only thing they can and watch is the Tony Michael's podcast from now on. <laughs>
2: the Politics Girl podcast is written and performed by me, Lee McGowan, in partnership with the Midas Media Network, and, and produced responding. and edited by Happy Warrior Entertainment. All
0: rights reserved. They would probably say, oh, that's more than usual punishment. Not just water in the garden. <laughs> saved America from true politics though.